Story eleven of Lucy Maud Montgomery Short Stories, nineteen o seven to nineteen o eight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lucy Maud Montgomery Short Stories, nineteen o seven to nineteen o eight, by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Story eleven. Margaret's patient. Margaret paused a moment at the gate and looked back at the quaint old house under its snowy firs with a thrill of proprietary affection. It was her home. For the first time in her life, she had a real home, and the long, weary years of poorly paid drudgery were all behind her. Before her was a prospect of independence and many of the delights she had always craved. In the immediate future was a trip to Vancouver with Mrs. Boyd. For I shall go, of course, thought Margaret, as she walked briskly down the snowy road. I've always wanted to see the Rockies, and to go there with Mrs. Boyd will double the pleasure. She is such a delightful companion. Margaret Campbell had been an orphan ever since she could remember. She had been brought up by a distant relative of her father's. That is, she had been given board lodging some schooling and indifferent clothes for the privilege of working like a little drudge in the house of the grim cousin who sheltered her the death of this cousin flung margaret on her own resources a friend had procured her employment as the companion of a rich eccentric old lady infirm of health and temper margaret lived with her for five years and to the young girl they seemed treble the time her employer was a fault-finding, peevish, unreasonable, and many a time Margaret's patient almost failed her, almost, but not quite. In the end it brought her a more tangible reward than sometimes falls to the lot of the toiler. Mrs. Constance died, and in her will she left to Margaret her little up-country cottage and enough money to provide her an income for the rest of her life. Margaret took immediate possession of her little house, and with the aid of a capable old servant, soon found herself very comfortable. She realized that her days of drudgery were over, and that henceforth life would be a very different thing from what it had been. Margaret meant to have a good time. She had never had any pleasure, and now she was resolved to garner in all that she could of the joys of existence. I'm not going to do a single useful thing for a year, she had told Mrs. Boyd gaily. Just think of it, a whole delightful year of vacation, to go and come at will, to read, travel, dream, rest. After that I mean to see if I can find something to do for other folks. But I'm going to have this one golden year, and the first thing in it is our trip to Vancouver. I'm so glad I have a chance to go with you. It's a wee bit short notice but I'll be ready when you want to start. Altogether, Margaret felt pretty well satisfied with life, as she tripped blithely down the country road between the ranks of snow-laden spruces, with the blue sky above and the crisp, exhilarating air all about. There was only one drawback, but it was a pretty serious one. It's so lonely by spells, Margaret sometimes thought wistfully. All the joys my good fortune has brought me can't quite fill my heart. There's always one little empty aching spot. Oh, if I had somebody of my very own to love and care for, a mother, 
a sister, even a cousin. But there's nobody. I haven't a relative in the world, and there are times when I'd give almost anything to have one. Well, I must try to be satisfied with friendship instead. Margaret's meditations were interrupted by a brisk footstep behind her, and presently Dr. Forbes came up. Good afternoon, Miss Campbell. Taking a constitutional? Yes, isn't it a lovely day? I suppose you are on your professional rounds. How are all your patients? Most of them are doing well, but I'm sorry to say I have a new one, and I'm very much worried about her. Do you know Frieda Martin, the little teacher in the primary department who boards with the ways? Yes, I've met her once or twice. Is she ill? Yes, seriously. It's typhoid, and she's been going about longer than she should. I don't know what's to be done with her. It seems she's like yourself in one respect, Miss Campbell. She is utterly alone in the world. Miss Way is crippled with rheumatism, and can't nurse her, and I fear it will be impossible to get a nurse in Blythefield. She ought to be taken from the ways. The house is overrun with children, is right next door to that noisy factory, and in other respects is a poor place for a sick girl. It's too bad. I'm very sorry, said Margaret sympathetically. Dr. Forbes shot a keen look at her from his deep-set eyes. Are you willing to show your sympathy in a practical form, Miss Campbell? He said bluntly. You told me the other day you meant to begin work for others next year. Why not begin now? Here is a splendid chance to befriend a friendless girl. Will you take Frieda Martin into your home during her illness? Oh, I couldn't, cried Margaret blankly. Why, I'm going away next week. I'm going with Mrs. Boyd to Vancouver and my house will be shut up. Oh, I didn't know. That settles it, I suppose, said the doctor, with a sigh of regret. Well, I must see what else I can do for poor Frieda. If I had a home of my own, the problem would be easily solved. But as I'm only a boarder myself, I'm helpless in that respect. I'm very much afraid she'll have a hard time to pull through, but I'll do the best I can for her. Well, I must run in here and have a look at Tommy Griggs' eyes. Good morning, Miss Campbell. Margaret responded rather absently and walked on with her eyes fixed on the road. Somehow all the joy had gone out of the day for her, and out of her prospective trip. She stopped on the little bridge and gazed unseeingly at the ice-bound creek. Did Dr. Forbes really think she ought to give up her trip in order to take Frieda Martin into her home, and probably nurse her as well? Since skilled nursing of any kind was almost unobtainable in Blythefield, no, of course, Dr. Forbes didn't mean anything of the sort. He had not known she intended to go away. Margaret tried to put the thought out of her mind, but it came insistently back. She knew none better what it was to be alone and friendless. Once she had been ill, too, and left to the ministration of careless servants. Margaret shuddered whenever she thought of that time. She was very, very sorry for Frieda Martin, but she certainly couldn't give up her plans for her. Why, well, I'd never have a chance to go with Mrs. Boyd again, she argued with her troublesome inward promptings. Altogether Margaret's walk was spoiled, but when she went to bed that night she was firmly resolved to dismiss all thoughts of Frieda Martin. In the middle of the night she woke up. It was calm and moonlight and frosty. The world was very still, and Margaret's heart and conscience spoke to her out of that silence, where all worldly motives were hushed and shamed. She listened and knew that in the morning she must send for Dr. Forbes 
and tell him to bring his patient to Fir Cottage. The evening of the next day found Frida in Margaret's spare room, and Margaret herself installed as nurse. For as Dr. Forbes had feared, he had found it impossible to obtain anyone else. Margaret had a natural gift for nursing, and she had had a good deal of experience in sick rooms. She was skillful, gentle, and composed, and Dr. Forbes nodded his head with satisfaction as he watched her. A week later, Mrs. Boyd left for Vancouver, and Margaret, bending over her delirious patient, could not even go to the station to see her off. But she thought little about it. All her hopes were centered on pulling Frieda Martin through. And when, after a long, doubtful fortnight, Dr. Forbes pronounced her on the way to recovery, Margaret felt as if she had given the gift of life to a fellow creature. Oh, I am so glad I stayed, she whispered to herself. During Frieda's convalescence, Margaret learned to love her dearly. She was such a sweet, brave little creature, full of a fine courage to face the loneliness and trials of her lot. I can never repay you for your kindness, Miss Campbell, she said wistfully. I am more than repaid already, said Margaret, sincerely. Haven't I found a dear little friend? One day, Frida asked Margaret to write a note for her to a certain school chum. She will like to know I'm getting better. You'll find her address in my writing desk. Frida's modest trunk had been brought to Fir Cottage, and Margaret went to it for the desk. As she turned over the loose papers in search of the address, her eye was caught by a name signed to a faded and yellowed letter, Worth Spencer, her mother's name. Margaret gave a little exclamation of astonishment. Could her mother have written that letter? It was not likely another woman would have that uncommon name. Margaret caught up the letter and ran to Frida's room. Frida, I couldn't help seeing the name signed to this letter. It's my mother's. To whom was it written? That is one of my mother's old letters, said Frida. She had a sister, my Aunt Worth. She was a great deal older than mother. Their parents died when mother was a baby. Aunt Worth went to her father's people while mother's grandmother took her. There was not very good feeling between the two families, I think. Mother said she lost trace of her sister after her sister married, and then long after she saw Aunt Worth's death in the papers. Can you tell me where your mother and her sister lived before they were separated? asked Margaret excitedly. Ridgetown. Then my mother must have been your mother's sister. And, oh, Frida, Frida, you are my cousin. Eventually this was proved to be the fact. Margaret investigated the matter and discovered beyond a doubt that she and Frida were cousins. It would be hard to say which of the two girls was the more delighted. Anyhow, we'll never be parted again, said Margaret happily. Fur Cottage is your home henceforth. Frida, oh, how rich I am. I have got somebody who really belongs to me, and I owe it all to Dr. Forbes. If he hadn't suggested you coming here, I should never have found out that we were cousins. And I don't think I should ever have got better at all, whispered Frida, slipping her hand into Margaret's. I think we're going to be the two happiest girls in the world, said Margaret, 
And Frieda, do you know what we're going to do when your summer vacation comes? We're going to have a trip through the Rockies. Yes, indeedy, it would have been nice going with Mrs. Boyd, but it will be ten times nicer to go with you. End of Margaret's Patient.